This is Dan Fagell, and you're listening to AI in Industry. In this episode of the AI in Industry podcast, we continue our theme of focusing on advancing your career in the age of artificial intelligence. Last week, we heard from Muriel Scherer-Shepper, who has worked with Rabobank and Shell and a number of other companies in the AI field. Um, And this week, we speak with Sriram Ramanathan, uh, who is the CTO of AI products at Genpact. Genpact is a massive firm, uh, six figures in terms of employee count. Um, Sriram had uh, previously worked on AI uh, projects and bots at Oracle. And Sriram speaks with us from his perspective as someone who is somewhat technical as to what are the real important non-technical roles in making AI work in the enterprise. Everything from quality assurance to project management and beyond, Sriram kind of lists out the different places where non-technical leaders, non-technical experts play a critical role in bringing AI to life. If you're interested in sort of grabbing the reins on AI projects within your organization and sort of being able to ride artificial intelligence to a more successful or exciting career, hopefully some of Sriram's ideas Uh, will be interesting and useful in terms of how you can do that uh, within your own enterprise or in your next career position, wherever that may be. So without further ado, we're going to hop right in. This is Sriram with Genpak here on AI and Industry. So Sri, first question to kick us off here is just your thoughts at a high level. Um, how can non-technical professionals advance their career in the artificial intelligence era? What are your thoughts? Well, you know, that that's a great question, uh, Dan. And first of all, uh, thanks for having me on the phone. Of course, yeah. And I appreciate the opportunity to, to participate here. And I think this is, this is a very important question you're asking. If you're a non-technical person, you know, what is it? that you can do to, you know, have a good career in the age of AI. And I think the answer is, is, uh, you know, multidimensional. I'll start with the fact that most AI solutions and products today require a deep understanding of the business domain, right? So, so for example, let's say you're, you're a, you know, leader in your marketing department, or, you know, you work in the finance department, you know, or you work in say, uh, in sales. I think it's very important to understand your domain really well. So, because to be able to build a good AI marketing app, you really truly have to be a marketing expert. And and there's two sides to this. One is, you know, the actual technical team that goes and builds out the application, but but really they're not going to get anywhere without the deep domain expertise, right? That you would need inherent. so I'd say, I'd say being successful in, in AI, the first domain is be really good in your domain. Know your domain really well. Understand the nuances of your domain. Understand you know, what it is that, for example, in marketing, generates the reports that are important to you. What are the tools and techniques you know to be a better marketer? Because ultimately, the goal of AI is to take what we do today and make it better. Yep. right? And, and for you to do that, you have to be a domain expert. That's the first you know, dimension. The other is, I think it's important for business folks, non-technical folks to, you know, take some basic training in artificial intelligence and machine learning. There there are some great courses online. You can go to Udemy, for example, you know, you can go to many other sites and get, you know, very good introduction from a business perspective, 
to what artificial intelligence and machine learning is. So armed with that and your domain expertise, I think you're in good shape to handle uh, the age of AI. Got it. So we can start as this is a jump off point, and I, I appreciate teeing that up that way, Sriram. Um, in terms of uh, those kinds of you know skills you're referring to here, I think uh, there's some understanding, like you said, if we want to build AI, we have to model a process that maybe we're doing well. Whose intelligence are we going to model? Well, probably the subject matter experts who are performing well. You know, we want to, we, that might be a great place exactly. to start. We obviously need subject matter experts. You know, if you're going to build a, you know, you're involved in the, the, the chatbot conversational world, you obviously need some really good customer support people, some people who understand how to reduce refunds and people that understand customer lifetime value and customer communications. You need that before you, you know, get started with, with building a bot. Same thing in any area of business. Um, but at the same time, business folks do need to have at least enough conceptual understanding of AI to know where they'd be valuable. I think most people assume when they talk to data scientists, it's always going to be sort of this invisible wall. But but there are ways that by learning some of the basics, even without coding, learning some of the basics of what AI can do, what the use cases are, Absolutely. they can they can actually have an interface with data scientists. What are those skills? What are those skills that let them be a translator and bridge that gap? Uh, that, that's a great question, uh, Dan. I, I think one of the first problems that a data scientist deals with is they want to, for example, understand features to build a machine learning model. So if I have to build a model, whether it's a deep learning model or a regular model, right? I first need to understand what the drivers are. You know, where, what are the elements of data that I care about that skew results? You know, and, and typically the the person or persons that know that are, are the domain experts. You know, understanding what it is that influences the decision-making process in your domain is something that, that, you know, the domain expert knows the best and that the data scientist will need to, you know, interface with. So one, understanding the features and the decision-influencing characteristics in your business, understanding them, translating them over to the data scientist and then, you know, there's a process in, in the model development lifecycle where the data scientist builds a model and he has to validate it and then he has to train it. Again, there, you know, the subject matter expert in the domain is the one that provides him with the right types of data, right? And that is, there's a non-technical element to that. You're able to understand the data. And then finally, you, you have to validate and test any model. You have to actually, you know, use the tools that data scientist gives you to see if a model actually works for your given problem. And again, the, the only person qualified to do that well is the domain expert, is a non-technical person who understands the domain, who understands the expected results when a certain set of inputs are given. So I, I think these are like three general areas of interface points between you know, the business expert or the domain expert and the data scientist. I completely agree. Uh, and I think this is really hopefully opening things up for the for the listenership. You know, we need a subject matter expert to know what goal we're shooting for, what kind of data to potentially add. We need a subject uh, matter expert to be able to provide that feedback loop. Hey, is this working? Are the customers happy? Are they getting the right kinds of messages? Well, a data scientist might have an intuition about that, but someone who masters that domain is going to know, are we doing better or worse than we were? They're already used to those dashboards, used to handling those responses, um, and so they're going to have to be part of that loop. I think some of the challenge for almost everybody, Sri, is um, what are these workflows going to look like, right? That This whole idea of creating these multi-stakeholder groups to work on AI projects where we have the data scientists and then we loop in a subject matter expert for marketing to kind of provide that feedback. 
um, as kind of part of their their job. I think companies are really figuring out how to do that because it's tough, right? A marketer is going to want to do whatever their normal job description said, right? They might start to feel a little bit weird if too much of their time is involved in these AI projects. But at the same time, they want to stay involved because that's going to advance their skills in this really important new technology. Um, what are ways that, that subject matter experts could could get involved in AI projects? Um, is it just a matter of asking? Is it a matter of going to leadership? You know, if you were someone, you know, uh, a VP somewhere with no technical background, who might you ask to see if you could get some exposure? That, that, that's a great question. In, in almost every enterprise today, Dan, I mean, there, there are at least one or two AI efforts going on. I think the best news is that most of these projects today are, are in very early stages, right? People are trying to figure out within these large enterprises, you know, what, what AI is, how they can best, you know, leverage it. Are they going to have a strategy, one end of the spectrum where you just buy, you know, from your existing vendors, AI versions of their existing apps that you use, or are you going to start building domain specific models and AI technology that's unique to your domain, that's part of your secret sauce, that's part of your differentiation as an organization Right, using data that only you have and that you don't want to, you know, expose anywhere else. So, regardless of where you are, there, there's a high probability that there's an AI project that's going on. And today, that is typically happening within the IT domain. So, when you look at the enterprise today in a non-AI world, you've got the business interfaces to IT, right? It's those same interfaces, you know, the the same, you know, set of requirements that are coming in for non-AI projects. You're going to have additions to those requirements, you know, that come in for an AI project. So I would, I would find out where these AI initiatives are going on. They're usually well publicized within the organization. And then I would, you know, just reach out and, and say, look, you know, I'm, I'm an expert in this domain. You know, I, I, I know this, I, I can probably add a tremendous amount of value, even if it's just in, in the assurance and solution assurance or face solution, right, to begin with. But, you know, if, if you can contribute, you should, you should reach out and do it. Got it. So be proactive, figure out what's happening, see if there's a place where you know that you could have a strong fit as the, on the subject matter side and just be the person that steps up and does it. Um, I think a lot of folks who are tuned in potentially are, are wondering, you know, what does this career path look like? And obviously neither you nor I know exactly how, you know, the manufacturing space is going to evolve and what kinds of new roles are going to spin out of it or the, you know, the banking space or what have you. Um, but when people sort of get involved in these AI projects, presumably they they want to be attached to the technology that's interesting and exciting. Probably they want to move up in the company. They want to have more responsibility, be involved in cooler projects, potentially you know earn a lot more for themselves. Um, and it, w what would that look like? I mean, it seems like because Absolutely. it's it's also skeptical right now to some degree. It's not like AI is going to go away. But how would somebody approach that? You know, they're trying to make the right moves to put food on the the, the table here. Absolutely. Good, good, good question, Dan. So, so for purposes of this answer, I'm not going to talk about the traditional data science path and the engineering path. I mean, we're only talking about business folks, yep. you know, non-technical folks who want to get into the domain. So there are two or three angles, right? When you, when you look at the typical software development lifecycle, or you look at now the AI development lifecycle, the, there are multiple common elements. You have business folks who provide requirements. You have business folks with a slight technical background who, who are project managers, who are actually running the project. You have QA, 
which is done technically, but which is also done as part of user acceptance testing, where you have a lot of non-technical folks or fundamentally non-technical folks who are actually validating and assuring a solution and accepting it, right? So, you know, there, there are multiple, I think, entry points into, into an AI project if you're non-technical. You know, I think understanding the basics of AI, you know, take this course, you know, I think it's called AI and Machine Learning for Business. It's a good course, it's available on Udemy, for example, that's just one example. There are many such courses you can find yep. online. You know, and then, and then you can, you know, get into one of these areas. If you're already running something, if you're already a leader and you have project management experience, there you go. That's an entry point for you to join an AI project and help manage and run it. Because it's very much like any other, you know, project that you're running, right? Yeah. With deliverables, due dates, dependencies, and all of that. Then you have the QA side of it, as I was saying, where you're involved in, in the tail end of the solution, but as in the beginning as well, where you understand the requirements of the project, right? And then you're able to test if those requirements have in fact been fulfilled or met. Yeah, so you're, there's the management side, there's the quality assurance side. Are there any other uh, business or functional roles? Is there a is there an AI strategy kind of determining the direction, not just maybe managing a project that's going on, but being oh, someone absolutely. that maybe finds the opportunities? What are what are some of those other ones? I, I really like the idea that you're you're almost kind of like listing these these future career vistas that people could arrive at. And I think this is a pretty fun exercise. We got managing sure. projects, we got QA. What are the other ones? Are there any other cool ones that, that you see opportunity? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've got traditional program management roles, you know, where, where you're running a program, a big part of it could, could be, you know, AI deliverables, which are basically machine learning models, right? That, that run in production for inference. But then you, you have, you know, other roles that are at the front end of it. What can you use AI for? In what dimension of your business can you apply AI techniques and leverage the unique data that you have to move the needle for your business? And that, that's the strategy piece of it. You know, if, if you're able to incorporate AI into, into, say, a particular subsystem or a particular set of activities, how will that change things for the business? Will it, will it help the business make more money? Will it, will it help the business save more money? Will it make all of the employees more productive? You know, I think there are different ways to go and build, build a strategic business case for AI within your organization. And there's certainly room for that because a lot of that is traditional, you know, non-technical work. Because if you're able, able to make the right assumptions, you can build a business case and be part of the strategy piece of AI as well. Got it. So, uh, yeah, that's another potential path for folks. And I think all of these, maybe this is a, a good note to to sort of wrap up on, all of these involve some base level understanding of AI. You have to know your subject matter area, but you also have to understand AI. You've mentioned that there are courses. I know MIT has a course that actually references a number of our articles. So we have a lot of newsletter subscribers that have come from that MIT AI and business course. Like you said, there's there's Coursera or Udemy or what have you. There, there's those as well that don't necessarily yep. involve coding. It's kind of AI for business. Um, it, this is giving people uh, kind of some functional kinds of knowledge to work with so they can interact with data scientists and think about AI projects. Um, if we could think at kind of a high level, those kinds of knowledge that are really most important for business leaders to have. You know, sometimes for us, you know, we frame it like, well, the conceptual understanding of what AI can do is one side of it. Another part of it is maybe just knowing a really good Rolodex of different kinds of use cases in your industry and similar industries so your brain can find those patterns, you know, kind of pun intended, I guess, uh, of where AI might be applied in your own space. 
are there any other kind of bits of, of knowledge, types of knowledge that for you really make the difference between a functional business leader who, who doesn't get it and one who can really contribute to an AI conversation? Are, are we missing anything there? No, no, I think, I think that that's a good question as well. I, and I think, you know, a good introductory course on AI exposes you to all of the basics. Yeah, you know, yeah. What, what some of the, you know, techniques are, you know, traditional, you know, machine learning techniques. And without getting very technical. Yep, yep. Just going through the business side of things. And, and I think that's a huge advantage because if you take one of these courses that you're talking about, like the MIT course, AI in business, I mean, for business leaders, I mean, that, that's, a, that's an amazing course. I, I'm aware of the content of the course. And I think it's a, it's a very well-rounded course, you know, that, that, uh, that a business person could take, right, and, and immediately benefit from. Because what, what, what will happen when you take that course is you start lining it up to the problems that you face in your daily roles, see? So you, you start looking at it with that lens in mind, and then that leads you to specific you know, opportunities for solutions and, and gives you really good ideas, I think, that you can then bubble up through your management chain or, or, or build into a business case for. Got it. Yeah, so maybe one more reason for folks to consider those kinds of courses. I think they also give yep. people the kind of um, uh, LinkedIn credentiality that, that sort of at least gives them some sort of point of reference that's different than just sort simply listening to podcasts like this one or, you know, reading things online. Um, and as you'd mentioned, can give them kind of a good crash course. And otherwise, it sounds like so you got to do some of that, and then and then it's just get involved, um, stay uh, stay right. proactive, and dive in. It sounds like that's kind of the summation of your advice here. That's right. That's right. Excellent. Well, hopefully, this is good news for the folks who are tuned in. I mean, this is a engineering CTO of of AI products at a uh, gigantic firm. You know, a uh, hundred thousand whatever folks that you people have. Uh, working with you there, I know you were with Oracle before. Some people might be intimidated and say, well, geez, where the heck could I find opportunity? Um, I, I think, Sri, I really appreciate you opening up uh, sort of the Pandora's box of all the different ways that the non-technical folks can. So thank you so much for being able to share your insights here on AI and industry. I'm happy to, man. Thanks. No worries. Thank you. So that's all for this episode with Sri. If you've enjoyed this series here on AI and Industry and you want to make sure to stay plugged in to our future series, be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. Obviously, if you're listening now, hopefully you're subscribed on iTunes to AI and Industry. We also have another great podcast called AI and Banking. If you work in financial services, you'll want to subscribe to both of those. Um, but you may or may not be subscribed to the newsletter. Earlier in this series, you heard Weejay from IBM uh, a chief architect at IBM's AI products. Weejay had mentioned that he's actually a newsletter subscriber here at Emerge. Many of our interviewees are, which is uh, a great honor for us. If you are not already, then be sure to be. Go to emerj.com right on the homepage. You'll see somewhere where you can opt in and submit your email address to stay on the newsletter. It's called the AI Advantage Newsletter. You'll never miss an episode of this interview series, nor will you miss any of our other resources. We'll produce resources on best practices for vetting an AI vendor, uh, for picking AI projects. We cover finance, defense, life sciences, um, all of our latest business coverage of AI. You'll make sure that you get it directly to your inbox once or twice a week through AI Advantage. So just go to emerj.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and make sure to stay tuned. 
And stay tuned to next week here on AI and Industry as we continue our series on advancing your career in the age of AI. We have the AI lead, uh, the, the head of AI at Cognizant, again, another very massive firm, six figures with employees, uh, Brett Greenstein. And Brett joins us uh, to speak about his perspective on how non-technical leaders can advance their career in the era of AI. Another very high up person who's going to talk about, from kind of an enterprise perspective, what are all the places where non-technical expertise can fit in. You're not going to want to miss Brett's insights. So I look forward to catching you here next week on AI and Industry.